Welcome, everybody, to the Think and Grow podcast with Dr. Z and Professor P. <laughs> Super excited as we have a very special guest today for our first episode of Booking It. Yes, absolutely. So we have um, Ramey Albatrari, and he is the author of Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? And we just are looking forward to hearing from him. He's an entrepreneur, a businessman, serial entrepreneur. He's a deal maker, negotiator. And we just look forward to hearing your story and then how you can really help our readers to think and grow. Uh, that would be our, our listeners. Oh, our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so, well, thank you for having me on your show. I mean, I'm excited to always get the message out, inspire people to do great uh, great things with their lives. Um, and I wrote the book just specifically for that. Uh, you know, it's not uh, like money or anything. Everything goes to the foundation, the Napoleon Hill Foundation. But uh, like I'm doing, I'm giving the book away for free for, until Christmas so, so people can get it and and give and get get extra copies to give gifts uh to to people because it's a it's an important way it's important message it's an important way of me trying to get people out of a victim mentality into where they have control of what they want to do in life and become who they want uh, they want to be and uh, because a lot of things uh, stop people from uh, uh, from doing things and a lot of it is fear and um like we talked talk before uh, beforehand with you know all the way back to when i was 12 years old when i read think and grow rich for the very first time it was uh it was in such an aha moment that i don't know why i got it at 12 but i did and i read the book 20 times i mean i read it over and over and over and and i was a kid that everybody beat up on on school i had no friends you know and so i was such an introvert but the, the book really resonated and and showed me that whatever I wanted out of life, I could get. And and the good thing about uh, being that young, I mean, you're young enough and dumb enough to believe anything you read. And so I didn't have the outside influence yet. I didn't have friends. I didn't have people tell me that, that it's impossible, that this book doesn't, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to achieve anything. So so it's kind of good for people to get their kids on it early because you're always bombarded by the world about the, how they limit you and tell you how things are impossible. So, and one of the great things about Think Rich, it says, you know, and it is a killer of success is procrastination. You know, when people just put it off, put it off. So one of the things I decided, I said, okay, well, I could spend three more years in high school and four years in college. I could spend seven years and then start, or I could start today. And what can I do in seven years if I started today? So that's why I decided to leave home. You know, my parents thought I was just going to be back a couple of days. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I knew it was going to be in America. So I just started hitchhiking. And luckily, the second person was going all the way down to Tampa, Florida. So this is where I started my journey. So, so I ended up being homeless from, uh, from the age of 12 to 17, so five years. Last two, I bought a $300 old car to sleep in for a couple of years. But but I had the first million, 17 of the key centers. And then I, I was risked and learned things as I went along. And went broke again, and then made it back. And by the age of fifty, I hit fifty million net worth. And then I had a much bigger goal to work with the richest man in the world, which is all, all in books. So I sacrificed all to where I lost it all by the time he finally uh, 
I said yes. But within seven, eight years, I became, I made my first billion. So, so all those uh, are the risks that you take and the things that you're willing to do to achieve the successes. And then, and what I love about the book is, is not only a thing of success of that, oh, I did this and this is how I became successful and boom. The, you know, I try to take you on a full journey of, of ups and downs, ups and downs, because being successful at anything is not easy. <laughs> there is so many bumps in the road. There's so many things you have to do in your journey, so many rejections, so many things that will go wrong, no matter what you try to do. I mean, the the... the Stories that somebody did a bought some cryptocurrencies and went and went up and then became a billionaire. That's once in a, <laughs> a lifetime that you hear out of eight billion people. It happened to a couple of people. So, but the true journey is is a lot of struggle, is a lot of the persistence that you have, a lot of drive, and and you start by having that burning desire in the Napoleon Hill uh, uh, states. And that's the only way you don't give up. And, and the way you build burning desire, which I mentioned in the book, is to really think of what you want and put a lot of emotion behind it. You know, you, you reflect, you think of the things. And it doesn't have to be good or bad emotion. Your mind doesn't know the difference. And you know, I start the book with, uh, with uh, the guy who built the Coral Castle. He was able to build a castle nobody can build today with his mind. It was blocks there, minimum two tons, so a 20-ton door, and nobody ever saw him work. And it wasn't thousands of years ago. It just happened 70, 80 years ago. Uh, but he was in pain because the love of his life left him on his wedding day. And that pain opened up his mind to tune in to the universe that gave him the information on how to build this castle. So... It's the same thing with, uh, and he didn't stop. He did. It. He spent his lifetime to build this castle for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the same thing. So any goal you have, you have to mix it with emotion. You have to feel that it could be good. It could be love. Even sex is a strong emotion or it could be pain. And even back in the day in the 70s, those psychedelic drugs created the same thing. I don't promote drugs, but that's why some of the greatest music was written in the 70s or when people had heartbreaks or they broke up, they wrote some greatest love songs and stuff. It's just, uh, so emotions mixed with what you want kind of creates what what you need. It makes you not stop because you'll get, again, like I say, a lot of people even quit before they even start. They give them all these reasons why, um, Maybe I shouldn't try because, I, you know, where am I going to get the money? What am I going to do? How am I going to achieve those? And they've already talked themselves out of it before they even started. So that burning desire kind of gets you past everything. Yeah, Ramey, it reminds me of my early on time in real estate. And I was in a, it was, I got back into the Think and Grow Rich book. Because I was in a real estate, I signed up for a coaching program and they had, the coaches had a mastermind program twice monthly. We had these meetings and it just popped in my head one day. I looked over to Paul, the guy sitting next to me. I said, where's your next house coming from? Right. He's like, good question. Where's your next house coming from? But just creating that. And you've mentioned this in other interviews about how you know, fake it till you make it. That was just such a powerful thing that happened. And then, you know, when I got my first deal, you know, doing a fist bump and going, yeah, I got my first house, right? Creating that emotion. All those things come from exactly what you're talking about in your book and Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, yeah, because it is definitely uh, what you put in your mind and and opportunities will come about. You know, one of the things I put in my book is you do become what you think of most of the time. So, so in your mind, it does. Uh, it, you'll see the opportunities like you were thinking. Of, you know, a lot of times I don't even know what business I'm going to be in until that day. But 
but you started thinking about real estate so now you're into real estate i mean that's the opportunities came about your customers uh, listing that you have it it all becomes uh, what it is i always use a my example, if you're a doctor, like you're a doctor, is because you went to uh, medical school, you know, and you studied, looked at, studied journals, you treated patients. So you think of being a doctor most of the time, so you become a doctor. Yeah. You know, you don't notice uh, mega billion opportunities or other things in life because that's what you think of most of the time. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that you do talk about feelings because um, Patrick and I are both life coaches. And many times, so I coach other doctors and in medicine, you're trained how to suppress your feelings, deny your feelings, because you have to be able to do that, obviously, to maintain that professional stance and that distance. But then we take it into the other areas of our lives. And then we there's that disconnect between our, our thoughts and our emotions. Mm-hmm. And some people actually either deny their emotions or don't even know how to access emotions. And mm-hmm. so I, I do recognize then that that holds a lot of people back because there is so much wisdom in the body, in those emotions. And that is the fuel that pushes our actions forward. So you you provide such a great example of that, that yes, you do have to be in touch with those emotions so mm-hmm. that they can guide and direct you into the next actions that you should take. Yeah, yeah real quick here, I'd like to mention one of your keys, Ramy. Mm-hmm. When you find words that inspire you to a greater future, keep them, keep them in the front of your mind at all times. And I wrote in your book mm-hmm. underneath that, three of my go-tos and one of them you kind of mentioned already, but a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. That stays in my mind. If it's going to be, it's up to me. And what you think about comes about, right? right. I use those all the time. And that's, yeah, I really wanted to get into this. You've done many interviews now. And what we wanted to get into with you is, you know, the mindset and all these, there's so much gold in your book, Ramy. I'm just, Absolutely. as you can see, I'm like just super excited about, <laughs> holy m- and feel so grateful that I, we get to talk to you about all this. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm it, it is true. Like it, the good thing about, uh, I love Thinking Courage. Thinking Courage was a book that <laughs> propelled me. And I, I tell people to read my, that book and then mine. Because, but the, the difference between my book and Thinking Courage is Napoleon Hill interviewed all these people. And, and and got all their wisdom and how they built the success. I mean, he was brought in by Andrew Carnegie in 20 years. He interviewed and wrote this really great book. But at first he wrote a 12 volume uh, kind of book. And then nobody wanted to read 12 volumes. And he condensed the 12 volumes into one book. And But to put 12 volumes of words into one book, he made every word count, every sentence count. And so like this, you can reread it over and over again. You get something new every time. And then when you're ready for that information, sometimes you're not ready for that information yet. When you reread it, that information kind of pops up at you. So I wanted to do the same thing. So my book is an easy read of 177 pages, but I could have wrote a thousand books of every experience. I could write a book of all the things I achieved. So I condensed it the same way Napoleon Hill did into where you could read it over and over and get something new every time you read it because every sentence every word was planned out so it's pretty powerful and the difference also between my book and napoleon hill's book which is again i love napoleon hill's book is he didn't live it 
I lived, I took his principles and lived it every day for 48 years and went through all the struggles. So my point of view is of the doer instead of the watcher. And, and the experience is different. And that's why I added an additional 28 keys. And I, I could add it more. And my perspective is differently than different than Napoleon Hill because I had to live and suffer it and understand it and, and put it into practice. And that's why I love what Don Green says that he, Napoleon Hill told him one, one day somebody's going to come along and surpass his book and show how he applied the principles and become. And that's why he endorses the book because he thinks that that's an next step. And I think the same also because. I read and I hear from a lot of people and I see people climb Kilimanjaro because I read the book or change your lives and simply and stuff like that. It's a, it's that powerful book. And then, and then back to your, I just want to touch about the emotional part. And I know it's separating emotion. Like if you're in a doctor in a hospital and you're operating and a, and a patient dies and you have to go speak to the, to the family about what happened to, to, uh, to their family member, you have to detach your emotion and that's kind of important in that moment, but you, you should take that emotion and those feelings and and apply it. And decisions are made by emotion. Like if if anybody has time, they should look at a Simon Sinek uh, TED Talk. It's about 18 minutes if anybody has seen it. But it's true. He, he, he spells it out. And I've always believed it's decisions are made from 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 back of the, your mind, not the logical part of your mind, through the emotional. You don't know why you made that decision, but you made the decision because how it affected you emotionally. So a buying decision, any kind of decision. I mean, the reason, I mean, it goes at the end, this video talks about Martin Luther King, which back then in the 60s, there was no internet, there was no real communication, but how did he get to almost 350,000 people at the same spot, same place, same time, you know, uh, without people knowing people build a network because they were emotionally charged with it they they showed up and like what he said on the thing how many showed up for him and they said and he said zero they all showed up for themselves what they believed how america should be and everything else so that was the emotional drive for people and 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 so emotion is such an important part of it. And, and, I, and, I, and I talk a little bit about it and some people object to it or feel it as bad. I said, even if you were a child that was abused and that's, women had actually have more power because if you could take that emotion of how bad that felt at the same time when you're thinking about your goals, that emotion will open up your mind to find the opportunity. So, so, so I don't see negatives. There's nothing good or bad, it just is. And and I, and it's really bad things that happen that drives you to do great things. I mean, if you think about the Great Depression and World War II, America was 14th in the world because of the Great Depression and World War II. America drove itself and made every factory a military factory. It changed the world and became the number one power and stayed that way after that. But it, that had to happen. The Great World War II had to happen. All those negatives for America to become as great as it is today. So, so you can't look at anything that's bad that happens as a negative. And, and one of the things Napoleon Hill says, and you re, I'm sure you read the quote many times, is through every adversity is seed of equal greater benefit. And I always found it in my life that no matter what bad happens, there's always something good that comes out of it at the end. I was going to say that because going through your book, you you reach the top and then you'd lose it and then you'd reach it, get it back again. And so in those low points, was that one of those words that was playing in front of your your in front of your mind? I know that I'm going through this and it's it's just building seeds. I'm planting seeds for an even greater um, success because I'm going through through this difficult time. 
for seven years you were fighting the government and were yeah. you thinking every seed every yeah. seed of adversity <laughs> yeah no no it all it all you should take the negative and, and propel i mean the reason why i think it drove me at the beginning I was a kid that was everybody, everybody beat up on and everything else, had no friends, no nothing. So adversity is a really good thing. Imagine, look at the kids who was very popular in the football team, had all the girls and, and everything. They didn't have to try hard because they were already accepted and loved and had all the girls. And stuff. So when they get into the real world, they didn't, never had the struggle or had to achieve anything more. And most of those people ended up living... Uh, studied an ordinary life never achieved anything great because it came too easy for them the popularity and stuff. so i'd rather start out the way i did being rejected and wanting to prove to the world that i could achieve great things so so, so anything negative and everything i've ever tried people tell oh it's impossible like when i want to have to go show you'll never get close to them you know i i take criticism now as a fuel to do more a lot of people get stopped by criticism and that's one of the things napoleon hill says not no one fears fear of criticism and, and that should be something they should totally ignore because those people could achieve anything they, they got to look at the source of where it came from you know it's uh, so you got to build strength inside yourself because of the experiences you had that you could achieve all these things that's why i can go broke and broke again and i know that i've done it before and i could do it again and just uh, so it's it's really so again, nothing about it or is good. it's just a journey. You have to take the journey and and try to win the game. And it's a, and it's a chess game too. It's not uh, it's on the checkers or stuff. I mean, you have to think 20, 30 moves ahead and you got to plan uh, plan it out, think about it, and think of every possibility that can happen. And then when things happen, you just deal with it at the time. And and if you bring in the negative thoughts and fear, which is what kills you, then you can't think clearly. That you can't plan ahead. Uh, yeah, so, so so you have to have a clear thought and, and a clear thought comes with getting rid of any fear that you have and then the fear of loss, fear of poverty fear, all the, the fears that Napoleon Hill lists and then get rid of all the alibis I know Napoleon Hill ended the book with all the alibis I started the book with all the alibis so that people understand that I've had all those alibis and a hundred times more and I'm still able to achieve it so, so there's no excuses in the world to not not succeed so you mentioned the bullying and the intimidating, and I'm I'm looking here in the book here, and it says, uh, at right after that you wrote those years also instilled a powerful motivation to achieve as much as possible in my life. And I the thing after reading it and all the interviews you've done, the the thing that you mentioned quite frequently is creating that extraordinary life. I was curious as to when and how that you know. I'm going to have an extraordinary life. When did that really start to kick in? It was right away for me. I mean, once I read and left, uh, it was, I knew my destiny and where I was at. I mean, uh, I, I, I just went out. I, I knew, I think Gregory says you can't get rich working for somebody else. I've only had two jobs when I was under 16 for a couple of weeks and went to buy that one car and, and then had one, I forgot what it was. But but I never worked for anybody. I'd rather sell and work for myself and build what it was or sleep in the streets. And so I knew that's how to build an extraordinary life. And then I went to a Glenn Turner meeting and I saw how people mapped up. Uh, he, he did a really good job showing how the average person starts at 18. They get a car and then they have to get a job paid with a car and churns and get an apartment and then the furniture and they, and they build that up. And then they meet Miss Susie Wright or, or so. And then, and then the house, the second car, the kids. And now you're you're in everybody. If you don't reverse it, the fear of loss is greater than hope of gain. 
So, so when you're in there and you're afraid to lose the little things that you have, your house, your little job and everything else, then you're living nine to five. And then you watch TV, have dinner, live for the weekend, once a year, a vacation. And you repeat that pattern till you retire in, in your 60s or 70s and you die a few years later. <laughs> that scared me to death. I said, that's not the life I want to live. And that's how most people live here in America, if, if you're even lucky. So I said, OK, I'm going to reverse all that and make my hope of gain greater than any fear of loss. So I always risk it all because I don't fear of losing anything. So I'm able to achieve more. So I don't care if I had, uh, even if I was sleeping in the street and had that 15 million, I went after Khashoggi, wanted to lose it all after my struggle of uh, from 18 to 20, 12 to 23, 11 years of struggle to give it all up to go after and burn all my bridges uh, to uh, all my ships to, to go after the goal I had. So so you have to build and reverse that. It takes a little bit of time to start slowly taking little things and make them less important, less important. And then you, you can uh, start getting rid of all the fears and you can go after things. And it's it's scary for a lot of people because they don't want to lose their comfortable house or their jobs. It's paying them well or or they have a family and stuff. But it's it's a decision that everybody has to make what kind of life they want to live. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like how you said that burning your ships. I mean, because right once you said you get into this identity and this mindset that this is who I am and then the idea of taking that like you intentionally went into that burning mm -hmm. your ships <laughs> selling everything for a fire cell pace you know mm -hmm. but at the end you had that vision that you wanted to work with Khashoggi yeah, I mean it's it's interesting Garage too about the general who had uh, who had the his ships burned and he was outnumbered ten to one and he told the soldiers, look, those ships are burnt. You can't, there's no way off unless you win this battle, you're dead. So they ended up winning the battle. So so it's really if you leave yourself no retreat, because a lot of people do things and they have a fallback position. Well, I still have this job. I'll do this on the side and and stuff like that. And they'll never go very far with it. But again, it's good for some people if they're happy with that. And I'm not going to say no to, to them. I mean, there's only so many leaders and so many successful people. But I'd like to shift to see more. I mean, if I could turn it from 1% to 2%, 1% of uh, 8 billion is is another what 80 million people. Uh, that'd be successful. So that'd be nice to see if I could change and make an extra 80 million people extremely rich. Uh, I mean, it, it, just a slight shift makes a big difference. And where does faith come in, though? Because at some point, you have to have faith, right? That you're going to throw yourself out there. You're going to put yourself out there trusting, right? Did you trust that it was going to work out? Or was it just a day-to-day -day practice of putting yourself out there and trusting like because you talk about how success builds upon itself like the right. more success you get the more confident you become right so yeah what is well, first, first you have to have faith that the principles work i mean it's just a universal truth and you know uh, it lasted the test of time and it works so first you gotta have faith and then you gotta build faith in yourself and that's why i say if you take little things and and succeed in, in a very little goal then you and then you build another goal and you succeed and you see it works and you have faith in that i never talk about faith in god or stuff it's just it's 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 faith in yourself 
and faith in what really the universe does provide. It's amazing. I see a lot of documentaries on the universe. It fascinates me. This is a new one that uh, is on Netflix now. And it really points out how we're all connected. We're made out of the same materials as the rest of the universe, down in the subparticles and stuff, our genes, our, everything's made out of the same thing. So we're all connected to, to the universe. And it's amazing how the universe does give us what we need when we need it. And when you desire something, and I, and I give examples of, of like Einstein, he, wa he wanted to figure out the universe. And he, because he was so passionate, had a lot of feelings, he was a clerk and he even slept in his office and stuff, but he built a lot of things. Behind. He was able to, because he focused on, able to see the curvature of the universe in his mind. And imagine that, being able to see the curvature of the universe and, and mathematically write it out before anybody can prove it. And it took scientists 12 years. They wanted to disprove his series to finally get the telescope, the right timing to measure it. And when they measured it, he was right on, spotted by, by the millimeter <laughs> that the universe was curved. And he saw it in his mind as mean that the universe does give you all the information. And and one of the things like I saw the secret, they say, oh yeah, but put the intentions out. But but Jack Canfield was the only one in that show that present, presented the action that it needed. He, he put it in there and he's, it's opportunities started uh, coming about and he took advantage of those opportunities. So whatever you decide, just like the, the Coral Castle, the universe is, it will give it to you. So it's, it's, like, it's like your radio. And whatever you decide to tune in, 90.6 is to become a great physicist. 90.8, become a great doctor. 99.7 is to become an extremely wealthy person. So by tuning it in and putting the emotion and letting the universe give it to you, and then again, your signal becomes more powerful the more emotions you mix with it. So you get the information. You just now have to take action. So you build faith by seeing it work and believing in yourself that you can. So even when I was down in the last part of the book, down to my last $21, I was totally broke. And finally, when I got up all those uh, stupid drugs, uh, any present doctor you got, my mind was 100% clear and was able to really tune into what I needed to really build that. And I wrote 100 pages in the uh, hospital and built the plan of where I was going to be at, where I was going to achieve in six months, in a year, in five years. And I achieved all of them and, and exceeded the things that I did because I decided that I was going to do it. So everything is a decision. Failure or success is a decision. You made a decision to make that happen. I love the icon story. I would love to be the fly on the wall that was there when it's just all you know, you talk about how you know scrappy he was and 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 how you just laughed it off. I just I just love that. Repeatedly. That didn't hurt your spirit at all. Just being yeah, I knew the kind of person he was and and everybody else would cower down. Again, it's fear for uh, people get afraid of him because how powerful and how hardcore he is. And I wasn't afraid of him. It was just, and I saw him, uh, I saw my level sisters his and it's just his way. And I know if he, uh, he kept on growling, eventually he'll calm down because I know it's more of a facade than what his real life really is. So he needed to build that facade to scare people into what he did. He bought stock, scared management that he's going to take him over and they'd buy him out for more money. So he built that facade for himself for a lifetime of what he was doing. So it just became his second nature. So just breaking down that uh, and, and knowing that's, what's the worst thing going to happen. He's going to yell at you and call you some names and <laughs> throw you out. I don't know. It was... Uh, to me, the risk reward, what I would win if I broke through that was a lot bigger than what the fears I might have, what he's going to do.
Yeah, it sounds like you kept your mind focused on what it is that you were looking to accomplish and all this minor, you know, noise that was going on with him. You just let that all just like roll off your shoulders and yeah. Yeah. Because after a while I could only yell so much and say something. He'll <laughs> <Well, laughs> run out of stuff. And, yeah. yeah. And it makes me think about the mastermind principle. Like even two people can form a mastermind. Yeah. It's so, always great the third mind. Yeah, two people yeah. together creates a third mind. And that's why the greatest work ever written by Grace Paper was a constitution. And now it's those every those six people who six or seven people got together and wrote the greatest paper ever written and created a government and a way of of a rule that create this country. And now capitalism and the way the constitution and it's it's only two two to three hundred years this country is old. And look at how what we achieved compared to thousands of years because of what that constitution was. And that was the best, the greatest mastermind ever put together of these people who wanted to write something and create a nation that was going to be for the people and how, and how they can make a great country. And so masterminds are, are very important. Definitely two people more will always create another mind. I mean, I imagine you create masterminds in your businesses and in your companies, right? Um, but it was interesting in that in your very first um present uh you said the 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 person that helped you um was it ferris um earl ferris Ferris. helped you but he never like i'm just thinking he was in your presence you know he obviously saw something in you and believed in you and supported you but yet he could he not do that for himself like i just figured like you know when they in the bible they say people touched the clothes of jesus and they were yeah. blessed you know and so <laughs> do you do you see that with um other people that you kind of mentor or as you create a mastermind with and what made the difference yeah i mean i i, I create mastermind like every company i start uh, uh, my leadership team is basically a mastermind talking about it or, or is that so they follow i inspire them and we bounce off ideas like the one of my company's EV Mobility right now is, is uh, uh, you know, my CEO is, I talk to her all the time and create and we, and she executes and stuff like that. And back with, with Earl, Earl did see something in me. I was in a Glenn Turner meeting and it was the first time I ever spoke. I don't know why <clears throat> he invited all these people and multi level to speak at the end in the experience. And I was so inspired because Glenn Turner read Think and Grow Rich. So I don't know, I don't remember his speech, but I remember being up there holding the American flag and, and, and giving this speech. And I had like a group of people who just wanted to be part, part of what I was going to do. And Earl was one of them. So I inspired him. And But uh, but Earl was very like, he grew flowers to and sold the flower shops. He was like a, as well, but he, he helped me as much as he can, hoping to reach that uh, that dream. And and, and uh, again, it, it wasn't an easy journey, stuff, but because he did that, you can't forget the people who really helped you. I took care of him until the day he died. So at the end, I took care of him. He ended up going to nursing home, so I took care of that until the day he died. So so you so when you have people that help you, I'm always or or you break into a circle, you have to do it with the best intentions. I'm not gonna use them up and then throw. You have to follow through that you're gonna become the best person to him and close to him. So everybody in the past has ever helped me. I've always taken care of for for the rest of the time. So it has to be sincere. 
or it, 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 it doesn't work out because uh, so all these guys who try to con people and all the Bernie Madoffs and stuff like that, at the end, it just falls apart on them. Everything, Tinker Girl Rich says everything has to be built on truth and honesty or it doesn't last. So uh, that's what I strive for on everything and go beyond also. So, so I don't go and say, okay, I'm going to strategize with that man. I'm going to work with also his circle, get around his circle, get to know him and all that and forget about him. But I helped all his circle and they're still close friends of mine. So. Nice. The van business, Ramy. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Talk about risk tolerance. That where you were like frantically driving back five minutes to two Here's the check. Yeah. I, yeah. My risk tolerance, I would never have been able to do that. Well, you know, I was in the streets and I, and I had no, uh, no choice of either do this, risk going to jail for writing about $250,000 check, or it does pay off and I get my next start. So, so again, you have to live without fear, do some things that, you know... Sometimes gray, but but you don't hurt anybody with it. So did you give it much thought though about man, I could go to jail for this. Holy cow, what did I like overdo it this time? Or what were your thoughts on that? Thoughts was, you know, I, I was presented where 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 I I was trying to start a car business, you know, buying a car from one off to the other. And that was uh, that was failing. And the guy who invested in me was gonna lose his money. So so when he presented, he wanted the gentleman wanted to buy these these shells to build custom vans. I just automatically said, I could find it for you, just automatically. And then when I found it, then I then I realized, oh, okay, now I got to pay for these vans to sell to them. So it just was in the moment. But then, uh, and then okay, do I take the risk and stuff? And I, then I assess, you know, you assess things. Okay, back then there wasn't where you could check everything electronically. I made sure I went on a Saturday. Okay, I check if the check is good. And I also called the banker and he told me I have till Tuesday at two o'clock. And I knew I could get the auction before two o'clock on Tuesday and get back to the bank and cover. So it was calculated risk. That I was gonna that I was gonna take to 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 um, to go take go to the next level because it was the opportunity that was presented to me when I was trying to succeed. So I just took advantage, took action on it. But at the end, it, it was because of that. You know, I ended up uh, taking that one van, sold it to a dealership, and saw they made six thousand instead of six hundred. And and then I then I, I inspired me to open up a dealership. And then back in the book, who I, I always put, who wins if you win? You know, then I realized that the people who build vans would win if they had their own dealership. So I went to Hardwell, Georgia, and talked the manufacturer into giving me a million dollars to open up the first dealership and give me the first all the van supplies I needed. And then within within six months i had six dealerships and and insurance companies and made the 50 million so so it's, it's all taking advantage of the opportunities figure out you know and and and, and you think about it, all, all the possibilities that happen but don't be afraid of it too yeah i like that idea of um i think i wrote it down too yeah you are selling what's what someone else will gain and you you said you're wrecking my brain trying to think of who would benefit so it's yeah. it's I like the idea of selling where you're thinking about your focus is on how the other person wins by what you are selling. And I right. think that's a really powerful um, approach approach to it. Yeah, what good is it? Like you say, you sell uh, real estate and you try 
you approach a guy who only invests in technology, but you're trying to sell him a income generating property. It's a hard sell. That's not his his thing. <laughs> but if you go to a person that uh, that uh, buys income generating property, it's a lot easier to convince them why you should buy that property. So, so why waste your time selling somebody that uh, that really doesn't care? It's a much uh, bigger uphill battle. You know, there's not that many people get out of the comfort zone or or, or will take the risk to do something. Now, kind of, can I ask what was it? So when you look for a mentor, because, you know, in the book, you highlight John Gray and then um, Khashoggi and mm -hmm. Icon. What was it? Or is there one specific attribute or characteristic that you see in someone that really attracts you or gives you that drive to like, I want to work with this person or I got to work with this person. Yeah, like <laughs> why Khashoggi? Why Icon? Why do I approach, you know, John Gray? All those, all of that. Is it the yeah. same now? Like as you think about your next venture. Right. I don't look at them as mentors. The only person that was a mentor was Khashoggi. And, okay. and it was because I saw the lifestyles of rich and famous and... And it was a one hour special they did and they never did an hour special. And it wasn't the things that what didn't what dazzled me wasn't the seven jets and 35 homes and his lifestyle is when they got into the multi-billion dollars deals. He was structuring how he traveled the world, made shit uh, happen. It was it was his business, what he did. He, became, he was a head of state without a state. That was what attracted me. And that's the life I wanted to have, like. I, you know, so so when when I went after him and took him two years to find him and another two years to convince him, I had in mind that I wanted to be that person, and uh, and then I ended up working with him for ten years. But all the other people, like I know Donald Sterling and all these, or Carl Icahn, I take bits and pieces that I see that are good, and I make it part of what I am. Like the the negative parts, I don't need to to have. So so now as I meet people, I understand what they do in business and stuff. I, I take the very best of what they are and, and, and make myself part of that. So Adnan was the bulk of, of who I am. But then, then Carl Icahn, I learned a few things about uh, you know, public companies, corporate rating and stuff and how, how he'd use intimidation. So I take that little piece to use if I need it. Or Donald Sterling, he, he never sells anything. He holds and buys and stuff and he has a way of doing a certain way of this. So, so everybody just got to look and see what you can learn from him. And if it's, it's really good and what made his success, you have to take that part because the rest of it is usually not that great or the same and stuff. But but Adnan was the only real mentor because I learned how to became, become a more worldly person and learn how to deal with it. And it was a life that I like. And that's why I, I decided that part of the five-year plan was to eventually take over what Adnan did because I was close to him. I did it with him for 10 years and nobody ever took over. So he died five years ago. And I, and I remember there was a Facebook post I put in and I said, before the end of the year, I'm going to do what Adnan did. And so now I've been the Guyana three years and I'm doing what he did. And I did achieve it before the end of the year. Now I've established a relationship with the president and everybody there to become uh, what, uh, what he was. So I'm slowly shifting from all my American businesses and taking them public and, and be, become the international uh, businessman that Adnan was. So again, that's a goal. I decided I had a lot of emotion and, and I posted. And you always have to make it real. 
like I posted that uh, about doing that. And then I, I talked to some people and figured Guyana was the best uh, place to start to just discover the larger oil reserves in 50 years and stuff. So I even created a present for the president because his name was Muhammad Ephraim Ali. So I created a big poster with a picture of Muhammad Ali and, and this president and had a signed glove by Muhammad Ali on there and said, he was a great fighter, you're a great president, you have a lot of life. And I had that present sitting in my office and looked at it for six months before I met him, knowing I'm going to give it to him one day. So by creating reality of it, you know, and I ended up giving it to him uh, a month and a half ago and started building the relationship with him. So, so you have to create it in your mind that it's real for it to become real. Nice. I'm thinking the extraordinary life piece really started to kick in when you watch that <laughs> Lifestyles episode. You're like, wow. That looks like an extraordinary life. I'll, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people will believe having 50 million and the best house in Tampa and the greatest sports car was an extraordinary life. But then when I watched that, I said, oh, I don't have shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it changed. I said, I stopped short. This that, That's the life I wanted. So, <laughs> But to different people, extraordinary lives are different. I mean, different things. I mean, not to have to worry about living paycheck, check, paycheck and having... You know, if you're million in the bank is an extraordinary life for people and traveling all over the world is extraordinary. So different people have extraordinary lives, but at least achieve the things that you want to achieve and not put in limitations. So that, I just have bigger goals than most people. So I'm a little crazy. So, <laughs> What are like your morning routines that really kind of give you or keep you at that competitive edge, you know, in terms of the landscape and competition and I, I think it's, it's a mindset, but I do get up pretty early, four or five in the morning. So I have a good solid four hours of, of planning things, answering the emails and stuff. And it, and it's kind of proven people who succeed wake up earlier because they, they, they're not, if you're waking up just to go to the job at nine o'clock, actually time rules you, you're, you're a slave to what's going on. But if you have a four and you have, you have your comfort of doing what you need to do. And, and I sleep only two, three hours a night uh, because it's just, my mind thinks so much so i'm just working my mind is figuring out solutions new goals new things new ways of doing things so by the time i wake up i'm starting to execute so it's right away executing the things you know saying the email doing the things doing the research doing the stuff that you need to do so 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 like i said i said in one of the things and i saw it on a video uh on thinking grow rich and and it's true if you look at it if if you live to the average age of uh 77 you know, from the day you're born to 77, you only have 23,000 days to live. So at my age at 61, I only have like 3,000 days left. So I don't want to waste a single day because it counts down. You know, some people lowered it down to you only have 15 summers left. So why are you going to waste a single day not achieving the things? I mean, being angry at somebody, watching TV all day, you just wasted a day, you know, and then not working towards the things that you want out of life. You've wasted another day and you have such a short time on earth. I mean, dinosaurs lived 170 million years on earth. You know, the world is 5 billion years old. You know, the universe is 13 billion or something like that. Humans have only lived 100,000 years and our lifespan is only 100 years. And we're a little dot in our planet and our Milky Way where there's billions of Milky Way. We are so insignificant and our lives are so short. <laughs> and if you think about all the people who died, all the billions of people who died 100 years ago that you don't care about or think about, 
you know, are you going to be worried about anything? Or even if I drive down the, the highway, I'm here in LA with 405, you see tens of thousands of cars. If you look at every window, if you really focus on it, say every person has a life and a problem and stuff. You do, you do, I, you know, so, so, so everybody has life. And so you got to get rid of all the fears and worries because you do have a short time and focus. I don't know what the purpose of life is, but it's definitely not to worry and live as a victim. So you might as well do something different and, and see maybe it is we're part of the universe. You're great. You create greater energy. It attracts a lot of things when you're positive and succeeding and stuff. So maybe when you do pass, your energy does dissipate something better than than just just being fizzled out to to nothing. I, don't know. I haven't figured out the purpose yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Dead for 20 minutes. You're not going to believe this, Ramy. But there's a gal. I go to the gym yeah. and she does pool work. And she turns to me one day and she goes, you know, I was dead for 20 minutes. Now I know two people <laughs> that were dead for 20 minutes. Can you tell us about that incredible story of how that all came about and the prescription drugs and all of that? And man, that had to be such incredible that you overcame all of that. Because you're ahead, if you're at 5%, like you say, yeah. like, wow, how do you dig out of that one, right? Well, that's why, I, you know, when I was battling the government, that's why, you know, these doc, this doctor thought I should be on antidepressant stuff to handle the stress better because I was facing 100 years in jail. And and they were absolutely wrong. And I would not settle with them because I, I don't just give up when there's no truth behind anything. So... It was a script happy doctor who ended up losing his license, but he ended up writing 20 different medications. I was taking a time, which was, it numbed me so, so much. He thought of it. So it got to where, you know, I took so much and one night I overdosed on it. And, and so I did die for 20 minutes. They did actually declare me dead. They were going to bring up, but then they kept the machines going and, and they kept on going. I came back, but I have to say, there's no light. There's no other side. There's no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you went to sleep and woke up. <laughs> so, so there's and nobody's proven there's anything on the other side. So still, you don't know what happens if you die. But it's definitely, uh, uh, it definitely was an experience to wake me up. So once I got out of the hospital a few weeks later. You know, I just went cold turkey because I said, this is not that I need to get back where I was at. And that's where also a brutal, which I, I'm glad for the experience for three months it took to get all those drugs out of the system. And I was walking the streets, you know, they police, when they stop you, they, they didn't do any crime. So they sent to mental institutions. So I went to three mental institutions in those three months because, but I said, they, they're watching everything, they let you go. And by the last one, the systems were coming out, uh, the drugs were coming in my systems. And I saw myself Going, going from 5% thinking capacity to go slowly 32, where it, by the last few days, I was at 100% back where I was at, and I was able to see my future, where I was going to do. So I knew when I left, I already had a plan how to re-succeed. So went from being that destitute down $21. That's why I, I took pictures of it, because I knew I was going to come back and being and dying and be able to rebuild everything I did in, in that short period of time, because most people in a lifetime couldn't build what I built, but I just made a decision that that's a time limit and I was going to do it. Um, but it's, uh, that's why that book is really important to, so people can see that if I could achieve those, and I wasn't anybody extraordinary. I was a 12 year old kid, left home, you know, Egyptian background, had enough prejudices, you know, didn't have any connections, people, money, family, education, but I still was able to do everything I did in life. And so, 
So, so that's why I wanted to send that message so people could take that, compare their lives and say, okay, I've suffered through a lot of these things, maybe not as much, and look at what he succeeded. I shouldn't make excuses not to succeed. And, and yeah, don't want to cut this too short. I just want to let you know I have in eight minutes, I have another uh, Zoom call uh, on, on, a, on a refinery I'm building in Guyana. So, so nice. I knew we have uh, eight minutes. So. I just wanted to mention, um, looking at the your, you and your beautiful wife i don't know if you can see that yeah um i actually posted on facebook this the other day and i'll just read what it says here that you wanted to end this chapter reminding uh that the principles of think and grow rich and this is one of my favorite parts i'm so glad that you made this point that can be applied to every aspect of your life not just to attain wealth so you can achieve whatever it is you set your goal on. What do you want to have in your life? Do you want to have better relationships? Do you want to have, you know, less fear? You whatever your mind, what you set your mind to, whatever you focus on is what you can have. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think the same principle. That, that battle with the government for seven years, most yeah. people would gave up. They couldn't handle the pressure or the stuff that the government goes straight to you. We win 98% of the year time and that's why they take a four-year deal instead of a but i fought them to the very end and at the end of another was crooked fbi agent same was you know you, you the passage of meeting somebody you fell in love with and uh, how long it took to get convinced so it's so it's really anything that you want or that, that you build in your life so it doesn't have to be money but you know most people it is money but money buys a lot of freedom a lot of power a lot of things that you need to do but to but it is important that just whatever you want, that those principles work. Yeah. We're going to have to leave it there. Matt, okay. thank you so much awesome. for your time. I really appreciate this it. This has too. been, yeah, yeah, this is definitely going to go down as one of, you know, if you talk about bucket lists, this is going to be on there for me. It's going to be right at the top. So. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so much. Do you have any You're parting welcome. words for our listeners just before you scurry off to your we'll next? Scurry off to the next <laughs> deal? Yeah. <laughs> this it's so easy to become a victim because if you on the most relaxed mode you become a victim the negative comes in it takes work it takes effort to think positively and don't because you've been bombarded your whole life with all the negative stuff you know it doesn't take one reading it takes a constant because everybody can have positive thinking but positive thinking is just like a thin layer around all this negative thing uh, thoughts that you have so that's why you can get inspired for a day and then a few days later you're exposed to the world and then you're back to the same routine. So it's something you have to reread, refill your mind all the time to get deeper and deeper into the layer of your mind. So your mind, second nature now thinks in a positive way of achieving things. So just don't just take listening to this one uh, podcast or reading one book and think your life is going to change. It's going to take a lot more than that. It's really it's just feeding your mind because you have to change a lifetime of negative thoughts. So, and that's the only way you get out of that victim mentality. Awesome. So I remember that Ari, from Ariana Huffington's book, she says people remember to charge their phones. They got to yeah. remember to charge their minds on the regular. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode of Think and Grow. Join us on our next Booking It episode where we're going to be featuring and talking all about Think and Grow Rich to keep the, the story going. Keep the story going. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Ramey. And love to love meeting you. And maybe one day we'll meet you in person. <laughs> all right. And as always, thank Thanks. you in advance. Just thinking and growing and learning.
and knowing and thinking and growing and learning and knowing, yeah. Just thinking and growing and learning and knowing and thinking and growing and learning and knowing, yeah.